You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Mark chapter number two, we'll begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straight many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born afore. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. I pray that you'd help me to have wisdom as I preach to say the things that you'd have me to say. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us in a special way, for we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The title of the message here tonight that I'd like to give to you is, Who Are You Bringing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Jesus? We find an illustration, an event that took place in the Scripture here in Mark chapter 2, and there's parallel accounts to this that give uh, uh, more details with this story found in Luke chapter number 5. But we have here a man who has a problem. The, the, outward, the uh, outward problem this man has is he's sick of the problems. And point number one that I have with who are you bringing to Jesus is realizing that people have problems. We don't have to look too far to know that this world has problems, right? And we're talking here specifically about a physical ailment. And you may look and know people that have physical ailments or physical difficulties that they have for various reasons or various situations, but the reality is that this world has problems. And not just physically speaking, there's a deeper problem that takes place here that we'll talk about, but you don't have to look too far to know that not only are there physical problems, but there are spiritual problems that are taking place in the world in which we live today. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in dark places. Uh, that's what we're fighting against right now is a spiritual battle. 
And often we try and fight it with fleshly tools and we try and fight it with our own logic, our own reason, our own abilities, but we fall far, far short of that because there's a spiritual taking, uh, battle that's taking place in America today. Let me just say this emphatically, though, that every problem is an opportunity to prove God's power. I'll say that one more time. Every problem is an opportunity to prove God's power. We have in today's day and age people that can't distinguish between a man and a woman. We have nowadays that people can't decide what gender they are on a daily basis, if not a weekly or regular basis, if they wanted to. They can choose whether they can play in women's sports or men's sports or choose what bathroom they'd like to go in. They can choose to not be a male or a female. They can choose to be non-binary. They can choose to identify as an animal. And it's crazy in which the world that we live in, but the realities are all of these problems are just symptoms of a much greater problem. And that problem is something that's called sin. We all have a sin nature. And by the way, before we get down on anyone who can't decide what gender they are or can't decide these things, the Bible says in Jonah chapter 4, and verse number 11, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, where are more than six score thousand persons that can't discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. This is nothing that's new, that there's an illustration, there are symptoms and problems, and by the way, we think like, hey, this is logical, we know these things. How do they not know these things? But the reality is, when people are, are not saved to begin with, when they don't know God to begin with, the Bible likens it, and God says, uh, people in the book of Jonah, they didn't even know their right hand from their left hand. And if they can't discern between their right and their left hand, how can they be discerning on any other issues that takes place in the world? But the recognition, the realization is that people have problems. The Bible says in Proverbs 9 and verse number 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We find the solution. We find that the reality is, is these problems deal with the fact that they don't know God to begin with. People having problems is nothing new. The wicked people of Nineveh didn't know God and didn't acknowledge Him as God. But one of the great things that I find about that is that God still loved them even though they didn't know their right hand from their left hand. He still had compassion of them. He still wanted them to repent and to get right. So what did He do? He sent somebody to go and talk to them. So the question is, who are you bringing to Jesus? Sometimes we see only the symptoms of the problems. Sometimes we don't even realize the problems that somebody's dealing with because maybe the symptoms are not as evident. In this passage, in verse number 3, we see that one of the problems that he was dealing with was an external problem. And that external problem was manifested in the form of being uh, having palsy. And the form of having palsy is, is basically having a form of paralysis where you're not able to get out of bed. And this is evidenced by the fact that this man who was sick was carried by four people. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 2 and Luke also uh, chapter 5 that they actually carried him in his bed. Can you imagine picking somebody up inside of their bed and trying to get them to Jesus and what faith that that took knowing that if they could just get him to Jesus that you know what, he could solve the problems that this man had. 
Due to the sickness, he was unable to get to Jesus by himself. He needed some help. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Who do you know that maybe they're unable to get to Jesus by themselves, but we can help them get there? Now, I'm not condoning pulling up in a you know, dark-colored van and opening the door and kidnapping somebody and bringing them to church. But I am condoning, the Bible says, compel them to come, amen? That's our job. The Bible says that we, ye shall be witnesses unto me. The Bible says to go and to preach the gospel, but yet, who are we bringing to Jesus? Not only did this individual have an external problem, he had an internal problem. The Bible says in verse number five, son, thy sins... Be forgiven thee. See, the root problem this individual had was a sin problem. Once Jesus forgave his sins, he was able to walk. You know, many times in the Bible, the consequences of sin led to disablement, led to sickness, led to disease. In John chapter number 9, there was a man that was born blind. And when Jesus healed him, the disciples asked, uh, what, was the, what caused the man to be blind? Was it his parents' sin? Was it his sin? And Jesus' response was neither, but that the Son of Man could be glorified here in this life. We must be careful when we automatically attribute people's problems with sin. Aside from problems that we see, the world has a much bigger problem to deal with, and that is the problem of sin. And we know that we're all born sinners. We all have a sin nature. It's easier to do wrong than it is to do right. It's easier to tell a lie than it is to tell the truth. It's easier to steal uh, than it is to work and to pay for something. This world has problems. If we know that they have problems, then what are you doing about it? What are you doing to bring people to Jesus? Realize that people have problems, number one. Number two, recognize the solution is Jesus. We can try a lot of things to mask the issues, to mask the symptoms, to mask the problems, to, to fill the gap that, that, that is inherently missing in our lives with jobs or with money or with things. But the reality is people need the Lord. And Jesus is going to be the only one that can fill that void that they have. But the question is, how are they going to hear? How are they going to get to Jesus and uh, Philip stated in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 30, Understandest what thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The Bible asked the question, How shall they hear without a preacher? And you know what? That's where we come in. That's our job. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Maybe it's through conversation. You say, how do we bring people to Jesus through conversation? Well, you can give them the gospel, amen. I'm so glad when I was 11 years old, September 18th, 1992, at a campground in Houston, Texas, that somebody told me the good news. And by the way, my responsibility, once I've heard that good news, is to tell others about it. See, once we get saved, we should get baptized, and that identifies us with Christ. And then following that, we should replicate, we should repeat what's been done in our lives and tell others about it. Who are we bringing to Jesus with our conversation? And by the way, that conversation is not just a, something that takes place at a defined time. You know, we have visitation and soul winning at 10 o'clock on Thursday and 10 o'clock on Saturday, and I encourage you to come out to one of those programs there. But it's not just a defined time. 
It's, it should be a way of life that we have to tell others about Jesus, to tell others about what God is doing in our lives. You know what? It's not going to be too far that we're at the workplace tomorrow and people will talk about sports and talk about what they did all weekend long, but when do we ever bring up Jesus in our conversation? It should come to pass that uh, during a regular conversation that it just slips up that you talk about how good that God is in your life and answers to prayers that we've had and decisions that we made. That shouldn't be the, the awkward part. That should be the norm because of all that God has done in our lives, in our conversation. Maybe it's through our compassion. This individual was carried by several other individuals who had compassion on him. The Bible says that if some have compassion making a difference. And maybe it's you look out at this lost world and you realize that this world is on its way to hell and yeah, they have some uh, different philosophies and yeah, they have some different morals and some different ideas and those ideas are crazy and we don't understand how it takes place, but the reality is that they're lost and they're on their way to hell and what are we doing about it? Who are we bringing to Jesus? Maybe it's through our conversation Maybe it's through our compassion. Maybe it's through our conflict. You say, what are you talking about with conflict? How, how do you handle conflict that comes in our lives? By the way, our reaction, people are watching how you deal with it. And that is the opportunity that we have to bring glory and honor to God through our conflict, through the difficulties that come in life and what our response is. And let me just say this. It's our responsibility as Christians to recognize the problem that this world has is a sin problem. It's our responsibility to identify that the problem is based on sin. And by the way, that's why we hate the sin and not the sinner. We should get mad at the devil and not blame people for being human. It's our job to bring people to Jesus. I'm so glad for these individuals who brought this man to Jesus. When Jesus left this earth, he said in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, and he shall be witnesses unto me. Are we being a witness? When is the last time that you told somebody about God, about the good news, about something that God has done in your life? Too often in life we try to treat the symptoms versus the root problem, the internal. Too often in life we try to fix the outside and forget about the inside. The biggest need that this world has is salvation. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Number one, realize that this world has problems. Number two, recognize that Jesus is solution. And lastly, number three, to bring people to Jesus, we have to react properly to difficulties. We have to react properly to difficulties. You see, these individuals who carried this man to meet Jesus because they had something called faith, and knowing that God had the solution to this individual's problems. And by the way, Jesus is the answer for the problems that this world has. But what are we doing to bring people to Jesus? They had faith. He wasn't a lost cause, amen? You could have looked at it and said, hey, this is an impossible situation. But he had friends that had faith. You know what? I'm so glad that I have some friends that have faith. Do we have faith to bring people to Jesus? And the Bible says here, that as they did that, they had good intentions. They had good motives. And by the way, that's a good thing to have. 
They started out with a good plan. Hey, we're going to pick up that he can't get to Jesus on his... Here's where Jesus is at. He can't get to Jesus on his own, so we're going to carry him over there. But then something happened there. The difficulty came. The Bible says in verse number 4, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they sat him down in his bed, and they patted him on the back and said, Brother... We did what we could, but we can't get in. They said, hey, we tried. Here's a statement. Hey, we did our best. You know what? I'm so glad that they went a little bit farther when the difficulty came. And by the way, let me just say this emphatically. The difficulties are going to come in our lives. And whether that difficulty is a physical difficulty or a financial difficulty or a family difficulty, they're going to come. And through those difficulties, you know what we need to do? Just keep going on. Amen. Just continue carrying that bed and say, hey, this isn't the way. Well, let me just go around. Amen. Because they had a great plan. They had great motives. But you know, when the difficulty came, they decided to just keep going. When they couldn't get there because of the crowd, they said, hey, you know what? We're not going to throw in the towel. What does it look like in modern day Christianity? Well, we tried. Sorry, bud. Too bad, so sad. Here's another one. Here I am trying to do what's right, and then the bad keeps happening. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to do right anymore, right? Or you have the statement, no good deed goes unpunished. And we use that statement as a, as a, uh, a, a way out, if you will, to say, you know what, I tried. I did my best. Hey, God, you saw, you saw what I was doing, and the trouble came. So I, it must not have been God's will. But the reality is, no, they said, you know what, we're going to keep going. They could have simply put his bed down and walked away and said, hey, we gave it a college try. The Christian life takes a four-letter word. It's called W-O-R-K. It involves frustrations, it involves disappointments, it involves discouragements, it involves bewilderments that we sit back and say, I don't know why this is happening. But it's at that point in time that we have the opportunity to give God the glory and say, hey God, whatever you'd have, that's what I'm willing to do. The problems are going to come and it's our responsibility, it's our job to react properly to them. Keep running on, stay in the fight. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. So run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. Is that your creed here tonight? That, hey, the difficulties are going to come, but you know what? I'm going to stay faithful to God. No matter what takes place, hey, how am I bringing people to Jesus? I'm going to remain faithful in the fight no matter when the difficulties come. By the way, they didn't just face one difficulty. You know what? I think about the difficulty that this man was probably heavy. You know, I've not lifted an individual recently. But you know what was so great? Is they had not just one person lifting him. There were several individuals lifting him. And if I could give an illustration and put a mattress out here and put an individual on that mattress and then call up somebody and say, hey, he needs to get to Jesus. Hey, he's sick. Hey, he's got a problem that nobody in this life can solve. Can you get him there? And then they start to drag him across the auditorium. That'd be a difficult task. And then bring in a crowd and then say, hey, now, now what are you going to do? But you know what? It wasn't just one individual. It wasn't just two individuals. It wasn't just three, but he was born of four. And let me just say this, that many hands make 
light work. You know what's great is we have an army of workers here at Victory Baptist Church that make the light, the work light. Amen? When the difficulties come, you know what it takes? It takes everybody getting together and say, hey, the, though the difficulties come, I'm, I'm going to be in this. I'm with you as well. And that's how we can accomplish the task. I wonder what it would have been like if they came up to that crowd, they came up to that house, and there were so many people that they couldn't get in. And those four individuals said, hey, let, let, let's, do, let's get them up on the roof. And then two of them thought, you are crazy. This guy is heavy. So two of them walked off the job. But yet that's what happens a lot of times in Christianity. As soon as the difficulty comes, all of a sudden the workers start to disappear. When the reality is that's when more people should come and say, hey, look what these guys are doing. They're doing a great work. Let me help them out. That's what it should be like. <clears throat> there was a difficulty with the crowd. But you know what? There's another difficulty they came up and they got him on the roof and put him down through the roof. And as they did that, the Bible says in verse number 6, there were certain of the scribes sitting there and they were being critical in their hearts. So not only was there a crowd that was difficult, there were critics. Others are going to be critical when you're going above and beyond what you're doing, what you feel that God wants us to do when we're following God. Others are going to be critical. And by the way, you know what? It would have been one thing if it would have been a crowd that didn't claim to be spiritual. It would have been one thing if it would have been a crowd that didn't claim to, to, to know God or to follow God, and they were to be critical. If, if those, that, the unsaved in life, and if they're critical, why do you attend church? And why do you read your Bible? And why are you doing that? And why are you going on a missions trip? And why are you, why are you, you know, that's one thing, that's to be expected. But you know what, it's a lot harder when it's folks that claim to be religious. That folks that claim to be Christian all of a sudden start to criticize and wonder, what are you doing? What are you thinking? That can be a difficult place to be in, especially when it's family. It can be difficult, especially when it's friends and your close friends. And all of a sudden it's critical and you're wondering, why am I even doing what I'm doing? We can expect those that are unsaved, but when it's those that are saved, the Christians that begin to criticize, that's when the difficulties start to hit home even more. Difficulties are going to come, but our job is to get people to Jesus. Who are you telling about Him? Who are you bringing to Jesus? You know, we have a great opportunity. I love my church Sunday. Soul winning, discipleship, teaching, and preaching the gospel. Every day we can bring people to Jesus. And not just to bring them, but to teach them. The Bible says in Matthew... Uh, 19, uh, Matthew, uh, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Here's a question for you. Who's going to take over your position at the church when you're no longer here or no longer able to do it? Who are you bringing to Jesus? If you looked around the church today, who's at this church? Who's saved as a partial result of your efforts? Now, I understand if we look around and say, well, this person is here because of me. That's not, that's not really, that's not really the, the, the correct way to look at it. The Bible says that God gives the increase. But you know, we all can have a part in that. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Realize that this world has problems. 
There's external problems, but far more there's an internal problem. That problem is sin. This world is lost and on its way to hell. What are we doing about it? Who are we bringing to Jesus? Realize this world has problems. Recognize that Jesus is the solution for the problems. And then react properly to difficulties. You know what our role here in this life is? It's right there. To follow Jesus. What did Jesus do when he was here on this life? He invested in others. He served others. He came to this earth to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And you know what he did? He created disciples that went out and changed the world. Well, here's the question. How many want to see Roanoke Rapids changed? How many want to see Halifax County changed? How many want to see North Carolina changed? You know what it's going to take is people that are bringing people to Jesus. Because, by the way, we can't argue with somebody politically. We can't argue with somebody on social media or even face-to-face that's not saved. Because the beginning of understanding comes from the Word of God. And if they're not saved, they're not going to understand it to begin with. And you can talk to them logic all day long. So what is the solution to bring people to Jesus? And by the way, it takes many people to do it. One plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. What part are you having to bring people to Jesus? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.